Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um... So yeah, this is a uh, music and whiskey special. With us, we have a special guest, Billy Abbott, uh, from the uh, you're the ambassador of the whiskey exchange. Is that correct? I, I am indeed. Although I'm wrestling with technology. There we go. That's better. Sorry, I got a new <laughs> mouse and a new keyboard recently, and he keeps on deciding to swing to the wrong side of the screen. And make, hello, I'm Billy. I am from the whiskey exchange. We are a big retailer, and my job is to tell people about booze. There we go. That's excellent. That sounds like the best job job in the world. (laughs) There's a lot more spreadsheets involved than you might think, but it is still pretty good. I will will allow that. Awesome. Um, Yeah, yeah, Billy has been kind enough to send Wayne and myself uh, three samples over of some of their exclusives, which we will be trying during the show. Uh, This Bell Blair 2015. 2005. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't even had a drink yet. Are we going to? Haven't even started yet. Oh, all of mine are all handwritten. I gave you guys the proper labels. I've, I've, Ooh, I've got baby samples. Yes, but the Glen so, Park Plus you know. fifteen there. That was Warming Boy fifteen, and the Kilcoman two thousand and seven. Um, yeah, uh, Wayne will attest that every week. I drink whiskey on the show, so this isn't new Too to me. La- last <laughs> last time, I was pleasantly surprised by this little. Uh, it, uh, the, the, is it Kleinelish or Kleinelish fourteen? Kleinelish. That that is that is the whiskey geeks whiskey. It is. That is the what? Sorry, it's the whiskey geeks whiskey. It's a, it's a whiskey oh, that. Uh, if you're a geek, you have a bottle in your cupboard. I have many. I have. This weekend, I spent the weekend drinking weird whiskeys with, with some of my best mates in the world, and there were a number of client leashes involved. You have chosen wisely. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> beautiful whiskey, really. I, 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 it's, it's one I will be going back to. But yes, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna play a song as we always do. We're gonna play, then we're gonna drink a whiskey. We're gonna explain about the whiskey and a bit about whiskey, and then song and whiskey. It's all about the whiskey, and then I believe you've got a book to promote uh, at some point as well. Uh, Is that I, I have I have many things to tell you. Some of them might involve some form of subtle salesmanship, but I am, I'm not the most subtle of sales. I'm not very good at sales. So we'll just well, talk about the booze, us- and I might mention a book that we have coming out. That's so. cool. We'll just let it all naturally flow. That's yeah, you good. You sent us free samples. You plug whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> well, the great thing is, is, if I send you freebie things, I get freebie things as well. So it's, it's good all round. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Right. Okay. I'm going to kick it off with uh, my first song. My first, well, I'm only bringing one song. I'm bringing the song. Wayne's bringing the song. And uh, my song is from that. With, uh, we're going to start with this one as well. I mean, the Bell Blair. 
Yes, the bulb layer. Yeah. I'll pour that while the sun. I pour it into the glass. I've got a nosing glass. A, nosing, a little one. A little one. Um. Yeah, we'll start with the bulb layer, and I'll pour that Ooh. while the song is playing. And the song, <laughs> the song, <laughs> the song that we're playing is from Lights and Lines, uh, out the uh, record label of our guest from last time, who was uh, Mike Five. Yeah. Uh, the song is by A Awen oh, I'm going to absolutely ruin the name. Veleda, I think it is. Valida or Valeda yeah. and the Wandering Lights. Um, and the song is Lucrezia. Lucrezia. Lucrezia, so, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll say a bit about them after the song. So this is the song. This is going to be a bit jittery compared to the normal podcast because I'm clicking and. We're starting stuff out, so yeah, this is that song.
That was the artist that I stated earlier. You're not going to say the name again because I butchered it the first time. Um, I'm trying to unmute. Oh, Billy, you're muted. Um, I know. You yeah. were. <laughs> okay uh, I'll try and leave links as I'm going along on Twitter. Um, but if, if, if I don't, once this is released properly as the, as the podcast on YouTube, I'll leave links in the show notes then anyway so you can find these artists. That was a beautiful piece of music, I thought. Um, love that a lot. Did you like that, Wayne? Yes, um, that's just lovely, isn't it? It's got that. It's not a bad start for a new um, new label, is it? That it's it's. I think it's something interesting as well. We haven't. It's very rare we have something that sort of does something different. That bird song all the way through it. It mm. just it does something Elegant. different with the song. Yeah, it just does. I mean, the video. Am I right in saying the video's got absolutely nothing to do with the song? I just feel that's like the way it felt. Yeah, it's just that uh, let's put a video out there that looks okay and looks like it fits with the, the just to get the song it out did. there, which is a good idea. No, it's a good it idea. Wasn't, wasn't bad. No, it's a good idea. It's got nothing. I don't feel like it's got because I feel like the song is sort of a, um, a take on a relationship that is bad for each other and they're trying to get the best out of each other. Hmm. That's, that's how I feel about it. It's just, you know, that sparse guitar is amazing, that aching vocal. From the minute it starts, you 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 know it's got a story to tell. Um, it reminds me of the Unthanks who I've mentioned a few times, um, specifically the uh, soundtrack they did for the um, reboot of um, Where's Our Gummage. But that may be just because of the uh, they did a reboot of Where's Our Gummage. Brilliant! They did three episodes. It's fantastic. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's absolutely amazing. Loved it. Did not know that. That's, that's Mackenzie on, Crook. Yeah. Mackenzie Crook. Uh, it plays oh. Wurzel. It's very, very good. Okay. It's, it's well, I knew they rebooted it, but I didn't realize they had a great soundtrack as well. So, oh, the, the Unthanks is the it's. I downloaded the, the soundtrack as soon as I finished the first episode, it was just fantastic. And they end up playing in the in the, anyway, they're going off on one. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and when the two vocals start bouncing off each other, and they're sort of, I like it because they're sort of talking over each other, you know, they're, they're sort of saying they're off of a story and the other one's saying they're off of a story and they're not really listening to each other. And it does feel like it's a relationship that shouldn't really be anymore, but they're hoping for the best out of each other. I was just, yeah, it's a very, very nice song. Very good. Enjoy. Mm. Did you enjoy that, Bill? Billy, Billy, Billy or Bill? <laughs> what do most people call you? Well, my name's actually Chris, but ignore me. Just, just make something <laughs> up. It's, it's a lot of you. Oh, yeah. okay. I, I gave up. I gave up with names. The age of thirteen, and my mum stopped calling me Billy, like every all my mates did. So you know, it's just stuck now. Billy. So, but um, no, I I've got a bit of a weird taste in music. That I like pretty much everything. Um, and but that's the reason why I quite like that though is just it sort of fits in. I think with what you guys are trying to do, get stuff out there which people don't really listen to because that is great. It, I don't understand why that sort of that sort of style of music, that sort of thing, isn't more prominent, isn't more prevalent out there in the world because. You know, you play that to pretty much anybody, they'll go, oh, that's nice. 
I like mm. I quite like that. It's just that it's not the sort of thing that you ever sort of like hear sort of out and about in the in the in the wider world. So mm. yeah, I, I've been looking through this sort of you know, the description on the YouTube thing, and there's a, there's a little bit of an overblown concept going on here. I feel um, <laughs> if, if this actually you're talking about the video not matching up, I'm not entirely certain that the the concept matches up. But so <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah, good song. Uh, like I say, once uh, once it's all out there, you can uh, check the check out the links and everything. Go and check them out. Beautiful song. That uh, they're doing really well over. Uh, was it lights and lines? Lights and lines. Lights and lines. Yeah, they're doing a good job, and they've only just started. So, mm. kudos to them. Um, I'm. I've poured my my uh, Bell Blair, and I'm just going to play a quick video about the Bell Blair distillery and then we'll have a try of it and then uh, tell our thoughts. Bell Blair distillery was established in 1790 and that makes it very And if you didn't know it was a Scotch whiskey, you do now. <laughs> uh, my name is John McDonald. Uh, I'm Bell Blair distillery manager. The shortest serving member of the distillery staff is actually myself. and I've been here for almost 10 years. Uh, the longest serving person here has been here for 38 years and that tells its own story. When people start to work here, they tend not to leave. To call yourself a single malt Scotch whisky, Scottish law dictates that you have to be made at one single distillery using only malted barley, water and yeast. We're blessed at Balblair to have wonderful local ingredients. We have a plentiful water supply which is very, very soft, very, very pure. Typical Scottish water, Rosshire and Murrayshire. Farmers do a tremendous job of delivering very, very high quality barley. Here at Balbler, we really take our time. The emphasis at this distillery is very much on quality over quantity. For example, the mashing process that we adopt here at Balbler is very, very slow. It takes us six and a quarter hours to do one mash, which is a relatively small mash in comparison with other distilleries but by doing so we achieve a very very clear bright wort and when that goes into the traditional wooden washbacks for fermentation you know, we end up with a very very you know, fruity flavoursome wash it then has to go through yeah i'm definitely getting that fruit from it 99 pure copper um, this whiskey is all about that fruitiness. second distillation yeah we take it even further we turn the stills then very very slowly so the flow is very very gentle and that's for quality reasons our cask selection here is, you know, very, very good. You, know, you could make the best new make spirit ever made and put it into a, an okay cask. Chances are you're going to end up with mediocre whiskey. So it's only very, very high quality casks that we will see coming through the gates of Balbler. Balbler Distillery is the only distillery that offers exclusively vintage bottlings. And when I say a vintage, a little bit, little bit out of date. I'll explain a bit. I will take a sample of every single cask of a particular year and each of those samples will be individually assessed for its quality. And that's not to say the samples that are not chosen are poor, they will just remain in the warehouse until they've reached that optimum maturation point. So basically what we're doing is cherry picking the very very best, the creme de la creme barbware of that year. Although each barbware is stamped with that DNA, house style, so to speak. Uh, vintages are different to one another. That's intentional, and it's to give the drinker you know, a different sensation, a different experience uh, for each vintage. 
So our approach is really the whisky tells us when it's ready. Hence, that's why we have that strap line vintages. Well, the thing I can remember this is this is up forty eight. This is forty eight and a half percent, so it's not a shy whiskey anyway. Uh, all of these whiskies are quite punchy, by the way. Before you start doing shots, yeah, these haven't uh, been uh, watered down. <laughs> no, um, so uh, FYI, I'm only having a little bit because I shouldn't really be drinking that's that. Very, very sensible. Yeah. Oh no, my samples are little ones in comparison. So, is there a certain way I should be drinking this? Because I'm not a whiskey drinker at all. I was about to ask because yeah, Richie's already said he drinks whiskey. And you had said nothing, which generally suggests that you are not a whiskey person. I, but, I'm, I'm more of a real owl person, but at the moment I'm a teetotaler. So, ah, so tiny little um, bits, tiny little bits, tiny little um, bits. Okay, just enough for taste, basically. Yeah, and um, okay. so there's lots of different ways people drinking whiskey, and lots of different glasses. And they you know, um, if you speak to any whiskey geek, they will tell you the one true way you must drink whiskey. And they're all talking rubbish. Uh, basically, the way you drink whiskey is very easy. You pour it into the largest of all the holes on your face, and you're done. It's, it's really simple. But yeah, and it's here first, you, people. Yeah, but you, you can do it. You can do it this different way. So you, you know, Richard, you got a nosing glass. I've got like this fancy sort of nosing tasting glass business going on. Nice. When you got a tumbler, you know, I'm sitting here with my with my second drink. Of course, this is my in between Negroni. I was mentioning earlier on before we what started. Is that? Um, this is gin. Gin, Campari, and Vermouth all in one go uh, with some ice, and it's very nice. That's a tumbler, mm -hmm. and I, I drink out of tumblers quite a lot. I drink out of these fancy glasses quite a lot. Um, if I'm doing tasting notes for work, I'll use one of these because then it's all standard across all the different whiskies I try, and I know how this works. But the, the big thing is always to take your time. If you want to get most out of a whiskey, don't sit there and do shots. If you just sit there and do that, then one, you'll fall over quickly, and two, you're not really going to taste it. So always say, nose it taste it and then think about it so the first yeah. thing you do is you have a bit of a smell and if you have a bit of a smell of it and you've got a nosing glass and you stick your nose right in it 48.5 we're safe next one's 57.1 you start going sort of like you know, snorting it straight out of the glass there's an, you know, an eye might come out or something you know so generally I say start a bit further away and sort of do a move your glass closer towards your nose and with a tumbler, you'll get even closer because there's a lot more space for the vapor to get out. With a nosing yeah. glass, it concentrates mm -hmm. it a bit. But just move it around a bit because you'll smell different things in different places. I'll, you, you know? I'll go to a lot of whiskey. Well, I haven't been for a few years because of the, the, the cove. But um, I usually go to a whiskey festival. Uh, you probably have heard of it. It's, um, you know, Nichols and Perks of Nichols and yep. Perks. Well, they do do, yeah, they get a chance. Well, it's just down the road from me. Uh, it's like 10 minutes. So... They did I the... have never been. I have never been to their festival, despite knowing a load of the guys there. Mm. And well, they're also evil rivals to my company, so never buy any whiskey from them. <laughs> never go to their show. Everything they do is awful. Um, hello, David and the gang. You're lovely, really. But um, so I never made it up. It's really annoying because you know I'm I'm down in London, and therefore everything outside the M25 doesn't exist. So I've, I've never quite got to the whole getting up established thing. But no, they're yeah. a really good festival and. Again, one of these things about whiskey is there are festivals, there are option opportunities to go and try it because it's not cheap. You know, this stuff, this uh, Bal Blair is £125 a bottle, I think. Okay. Um, that's well, that's a good my thing head. about these festivals. Yeah. I can walk in, I can spend £35, £40 for a ticket, and yeah. then walk around and drink about £400 worth of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, this one, sorry, this is £145. Quid. Um, we do our own whiskey show uh, down in London called Whiskey Show because we are incredibly inventive with our names. But whiskeyshow.com, <laughs> you'll see all the information. But it's the 1st to the 3rd of October. Uh, last year, we did it all virtual. This year, we're doing it in person and virtual. 
but previously, so last year, the year before last was our 10th anniversary, so 12th show this year. And we charge 100 quid a day. And people say, oh, that's quite an expensive ticket for a show. Oh, really? To which my answer is, it starts at 11.30, it finishes at 6.30. If you can't drink 100 quid of the whiskey and leave it sober, you have done something wrong with your whiskey selections. We, we, we get all these incredible things to try. And this is the reason why we do these little samples like this. You know, those actual ones you've got, they're proper labels and stuff. Me, I just yeah. write rubbish on mine. We sell little samples so you don't have to buy a whole bottle. Whiskey is not about – the whiskey we're talking about isn't about getting drunk. It isn't about sort of like just necking it or whatever. It's about enjoying it, pulling flavors out of it, but also sharing it with people. This sort of thing, sitting say, around, talking rubbish, drinking whiskey. Is what I will say this, though. When you go to these festivals, after about the, the, the 15th one, they all start to blend into one flavor. And at some point, it does just become a piss-up. And, <laughs> and you feel like you've got to it's keep going because there's so much there. Well, and, I've uh, got to say, as a non-whiskey drinker, this is fantastic. The it is beautiful. Like it. It's why we want to start with this one, specifically yeah, that, yeah. Shoving it into the largest hole in my uh, my face. Um, there's no burn or anything like that. So the, I mean, I'm, I'm used to cheap crap whiskey, to be honest. Um, so And it's just warm. It's lovely. There's something Absolutely. distinct yeah. in it, but I can't put my finger on why it is. It's like right, it, it lies right under the back of my nose in the flat. I can't put... I can't. The, the normal Bal Blair thing, and Bal Blair, um, as John was saying in that um, that video, um, I know Bal Blair because they are the first distillery I visited professionally. Uh, when I came back, I edited together a video of the stuff I shot with a rubbish handy cam I picked up in the airport on the way there. I found some really random Creative Commons music by uh, a band called Lost Dog, a, a song called Drunk, which was excellent. I put it all together, and it had John with his very very soothing voice, he's, you know, waving at things, saying, "Ah, the finest art." Of Scotch whiskey, all this sort of thing. It was brilliant. <laughs> I look back on it now and just go, "Oh my god, that was awful!" Every single thing about it was cheesy beyond all belief. And while I still quite like the music, I was like, "I've, I've disrespected this track by putting it on this." Uh, this <laughs> Most of the stuff we do on this show is like that. <laughs> <laughs> Bal Blair is all. It's all about this sort of like it's orchard fruit and honey. It's my thing. I always say it's like apples yeah. and honey. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The honey. Yeah. Now you're saying it. Might be the honey that I'm getting. Mm. See, my, my problem is I'm not good at picking out notes. I know what I like and I know what I enjoy. And I, I feel a lot of people, like when you get to these festivals, there are a lot of people like that. And I, I did an experiment the last time I went. I was going to each store and I was trying to whiskey and I was next to someone. And I'd say something random like, oh, getting notes of bourbon biscuit. There's nothing in there, and then oh, yeah, yeah, there, there is, yeah. No, there's not. I've just made I didn't that go up. to that festival, mate. It wasn't me, all right. Chill out. But, but I think there's a, there's a certain kind of a certain pretentiousness about these festivals. With whiskey, when it comes to these tasting notes things, um, I think my classic example I give is there's a three mates of mine who run a, a bottling company and they run a whiskey club in St Albans as well. So, hello, lovely boys of St Albans Whiskey Club. Um, yeah, there's one um, of them, Jamie, who, who writes fantastically then. long tasting notes, really in-depth. The sort of rubbish that I write. This notebook I have in front of me is entirely full of incredibly long, pretentious tasting notes written in fountain pen in pretentious inks, even. It's that sort of level of pretentiousness. That's me. I've, I've got pretentious notes. Are they on Twitter? They're around in various different places. I think they're mostly on um, uh, Facebook. But they're a, a great little gang of uh, folks who sort of meet up regularly. But three guys who started it, 
try to bottle a whiskey for their club and realize they'd actually become independent bottlers of whiskey instead. You know, rather than just doing a simple thing, they did the really hard thing. Mm. Offer three of them, you know, like, you know, Jamie just writes big, big notes. And the other two guys, one of them, uh, Paul sort of just talks about things and, you know, does a little bit, talks about whether he likes things, talks a little about, but the other guy just goes, yeah, I like it, I don't like it. And doesn't care any, you know, doesn't want to, doesn't give really big in depth notes. So I'm sort of having a chat. That's, like, yeah, that's, 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 yeah. that's what we used to do when Neil was on here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the thing with whiskey, you don't need to give big pretentious notes. I do because I really love doing that. One of my favorite things job? writing notes. It is also my job. <laughs> if you turned up, if you turned up with your job and just went, this one's nice. <laughs> I wouldn't have my job for long. I would, yeah, that's That'd be fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, these casks have been sent to the 40 years old. These casks we bought this for 15 years. We use the finest water. We use this. It's all right, you know, Ted Buzz. <laughs> I've done that a few times, and for some reason, the distillers don't like it. I don't really know. So. Amazing. I'm some people with this sort of thing, though. You know, it, it's all about whether you like it, and that's the important. But whether you can taste weird things in there or not, I always say have a bit of a nose, have a bit of a smell of it, have a little taste. The first little taste, don't really worry about it because it's going to sort of like, you know, get your mouth used to it. And take a second taste, which is a little bit longer. Think about it. Move it around your mouth. You have taste buds all over the place in your mouth, not just on your tongue. And you swallow your whiskey. Have a bit of a think about the flavor that remains. And there we go. You get loads more out of it than just going slam, shot, more tequila. You know, it's... um. Yeah, tequila's nice as well, actually. But so I'm I very won, sorry for being rude to tequila. Oh, I won this at uh, an auction once. Um, the, uh, mm-hmm. Famous Grouse. It's a uh, 1987. It's, it's obviously a, yeah, it's a collector's thing, obviously. But one night I had no whiskey. I drank a lot. Should not have done that. Oh, wasn't even a good. Whis- wasn't even a good whiskey. Oh no, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Is there's, there's so many things out there. You know, I've got you know, random things around here, underneath here, which are. You know, drinking whiskey, which has now become stuff that people have said is now investment whiskey, is really annoying. So I've got this bottle here, this whiskey called Vega. Um, okay. Absolutely fantastic. Big sherry cast whiskey, 28 uh, years old. It was over 100 quid a bottle, but not much. It was really, really well priced for it. I, I run a whiskey club down here in London, so I got some of this for, for that. It now goes an auction for loads and loads of money. And people have now said, oh, yeah, all the Vegas, you must buy them to sell on in the future. And it's like... No, don't do that. Drink them. They're nice. This is one of my favourite whiskies, the Lafroy 18. I really enjoyed this one. Wisely. It's been discontinued. It's difficult to get hold of. Um, it is absolutely it's lovely. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Well, it wasn't cheap, but it was worth the money. Yeah, so I was just looking. I've got some Lafroy down here as well. I, I collect Lafroy. The law, um, I like the law. I say collect Lafroy. What I mean is I buy more Lafroy than I drink. That's literally... <laughs> It everything everything is earmarked for later drinking. But... It's kind of like the marmite of the whiskey world, isn't it? Lafroig, you either love it or hate it. Yeah, when we get onto the Kilcoma at the end, we'll talk a bit more about why that is. But yeah, really, is there's a yeah. few whiskies out there which have certain flavor characteristics. Bow Blair, everybody likes it. I don't know anybody who just goes, No, I do not like whiskey that tastes of fruit and niceness. That's ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it really does. It does. But... Oh, she's a fruit, yeah. The next one we're going to try again, different type of fruitiness in there, but people generally love it. But when you get to Kilcoma and things like that, and Lafroy, that's when you bring that smoky flavor that whiskey's, Scotch whiskey is famous for in, and that's when things start getting a little bit more divisive. One of the biggest eye-openers for me uh, in recent years was uh, this Whistle Pig, because uh, it's yeah. a, a, a rye whiskey. Now, I've never had rye whiskey before, and I drank lots of whiskeys at the festival, and that one, like, I, 
it was like a, an eye opener. It was like a, a revelation. It was, it felt brand new but nice. And yeah, I, I, I'm I'm kind of a convert to rye whiskey now. Well, rye whiskey is a weird one again. Uh, I don't know when if people are actually watching. Hooray, people who are watching! But um, no, <laughs> I I'm running a rye whiskey tasting uh, next week actually, on Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember. There's still packs available on thewhiskeyexchange.com. If you type in Rye So Serious into the, uh, into the, the search box, you'll find us. Um, one okay. is doing a tasting where they said to me, do you want to run a rye whiskey tasting? I went, yeah, that'd be lovely. So who do you want in it? So I went, they're not going to give me my list. So I gave them six people, and I said, I want these six. And they came back and said, could you change the sixth one to these people? And it's like, oh. I, they're, they're my first choice of all of them. I didn't realize that they had any whiskey. Oh, never mind. Yes, please. That's six. It's my first choice of six rye producers around the world. Um, so I have six you holding that whiskey from... tasting? Sorry? Where are you holding that whiskey tasting? That is virtual. I will be sat here oh. in my beautiful flat. Um, and, uh, yes, drinking whiskeys with people from Chicago. Um, where's the other guys? Um, Adelaide, I think. Uh, Denmark. Um, Scottish borders and Scotland. Uh, yeah, I can't remember all the places. Anyway, lots of places around the world. Uh, okay. Just really weird. You know, rye is this whiskey which is started out in America and has become the whiskey of the world. Lots of spices yeah. in there. The three we're trying are all Scotch, Scotch single malts, but whiskey is okay. much more worldwide these days. It's quite popular in America, the rye whiskey. The last one I yeah. did was the 19... Oh, I've got the bottle downstairs. 1907, 1967 or something like that. Uh, uh, 1497? Something, like, yeah, something like that. It's, it's I, just I do believe... 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I think it's probably 1492 for yeah. Martin Luther King, America. I can't remember, though. I am not that a historian. Was, that was predominantly a, a rye whiskey, the one I had. Yeah, rye, as I say, it's grown in popularity. All American whiskey seems to be at the moment. You know, over here, we're used to talking about Scottish whiskey and Scottish blended whiskey. Ooh, single malt, okay. fancy. But now, increasingly, people are seeing American whiskey and also just whiskey from all over the world. We really are got to a point now, if you can think of a country, there's probably somebody making whiskey there. Yeah. Um, down, my, down the road from me, I've got um, I've got an award-winning off-license. It's uh, Sturchley Beers and Wines. Uh, um, you and Joseph Wisely, the guys there, are absolute dudes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I swear, when, when I was drinking IPA, that's where I got my IPA from. And one of their like biggest um, sellers, I think, is, is their Japanese whiskey. Um, they've got their... They've got quite yeah. a few, in fact. They've probably got more than they have Irish in there. So. When I used to um, work at the Birmingham Whiskey Festival um, over at the Bond, I uh, uh, used to ensure that I go and see them. And Tim always used to find me out a bunch of interesting uh, uh, beers to take home with me, and I'd do a bit of a swap for some interesting whiskey. Um, but yeah, it, Japanese whiskey is the biggest success story of recent memory. It's just so, yeah. so successful, and it's gone up in value so, so much. Um, uh, yeah, there's lots of weirdness around it. And if you go to the Whiskey Exchange blog and search for the letters <laughs> JSLMA, you'll find the saga of the Japanese Spirits and Liqueurs Manufacturers Association and their regulations and why Japanese whiskey is actually from Scotland and lots of other weirdness. And <laughs> it's just uh, links in description when we release yeah. it properly. The, yeah. the, uh, this is the first time we've really done a stream like this as the show, so this is brand new. Yeah. But when we release it as the podcast, um. Our, our regular listeners, you can uh, find all the links in the uh, in in the show notes. 
Okay, so my song will come with a bit of a story, and um, when we get to it, you'll find you'll know why. So uh, my song is by a band called Kid Violet, and their song Kryptonite. You had your eyes on me since first year daytime TV and resist. I try, but you're my kryptonite. So take a chance on me, honey. Gonna lie, that finished a lot quicker than I expected it to. <laughs> <laughs> and now we've got all this nice. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Get back to normal. <laughs> so was, yeah, that that was kid. about with Emus thing, and uh, it's not gonna happen. Carry on. That's uh, that was Kid Violet with their song Kryptonite, and we are now sampling the Glenn Farkas, fifteen-year-old. The uh, not, I, haven't even, I haven't even poured it yet. What the hell am I doing here? I, I don't know. Yeah. Playing it again. Oh. There you go. Yeah, that one. That one, there we go. So, 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 yeah, there we go. so this is before we quickly mention this. This is not any old, any old grandfather, fifteen-year-old. They do their own one, but this is a special one uh, that we said to them a little while back. Hello, can you do us a special batch? And so this is bottled at hundred degrees proof, old proof that they got rid of back in the nineteen seventies, which is fifty-seven point one percent. And it's a special edition Glenfarkris, uh, just available from uh, the Whiskey Exchange, my employers, who I will actually mention in a moment. So I'm not just randomly mentioning a people I work for. <laughs> so people I need to apologise in advance because I have no water with me, and I've just poured it into a used glass. So I do apologise in advance, but it's it, it's the way it is. Worry not; these are ordered, so they should stand up even when uh, accidentally blended with a small amount of the previous one. <laughs> uh, right, I'm going to yeah. give you a little bit of a story. So, uh, Kid Violet. 
and their song Kryptonite. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll read you a bit from their Spotify. So it says, take a base of indie rock and roll riffs, a lug full of uh, wrenching lyrics and raw vocals, then blend it, oh, uh, then blend with a whole heap of energy and a sprinkling of reverb. And that will take you some way to getting a sense of Kid Violet's edgy, dynamic, yet melodic sound. That was terribly read by me, but you get the idea. So picture the scene. Uh, two weeks ago, I was at Wilderness Festival down in Oxfordshire. And I, it was a Sunday afternoon, and we were watching this uh, fantastic jazz, um, neo-jazz band called Alphamist, who are, if you haven't heard of them, go check them out. Fantastic. And just enjoying the ambience of the festival. Enter the scene. Young kid wearing um, what can only be described as... Um, Lebra print flares, and he's got baby spice hair, and he comes stumbling towards us with two full pints of lager. And I thought, oh, here we go. Why is he aiming for us? Comes over to us, hands me a pint. That's the first thing he did, which I was like, oh, okay. So I put it on the floor next to me, and he starts sort of mumbling, trying to roll the fag. And he's like, you're right. I'm, yeah, you're right. So I've lost my friends. I said, oh, no, no, no way. Said, Any other man's answering the phone? He says, no, I'm going to try him again in a minute. We've been walking around for 45 minutes. So he come with me to the bar. We're at the bar together. And I turned around and he'd gone. I've just lost him for 45 minutes. So I'm, oh, okay. So this went on for a little while. Introduces himself as Billy. He then says that um, he'd left the festival the night before to go down to London and Brighton to play a gig. So he went and played a gig in London then drove down to Brighton then came back to Oxford for the gig, uh, for the festival. And... His band are Kid Violet. To wrap this story up, he then rings his friend who says, where are you? He says, I'm looking for you. You're with me at the bar. He said, no, I wasn't at the bar. I haven't left where we were. We're at the front watching the band. And he put the phone down and went, yeah, he's right. I'm the one who's lost, not them. You never came with me. <laughs> so off he tried, gave him his beer and off he trotted again. And I said to him, I'll play I'll play a song on uh, on the on on the podcast if it was any good and I actually really quite like it it's really nice it's upbeat you know it's uh, it's got a raw sort of gig energy about it all the way through um just a really nice cool toe tapping song and uh, like it a lot rich you're muted you're muted <laughs> sorry uh, good <clears throat> God, whiskey's kicking in already. Um, good festival vibe. Um, yeah, it's good energy, like you say. It's nothing new. Um, no. It's nothing groundbreaking, but it's a good sound. It's enjoyable. Uh, I could stick that on one of my playlists, and if it came on, on sure thought, happily listen to it and enjoy yeah. it. Um, yeah. One of those songs, doesn't that stay as welcome, mm -hmm. comes in, smashes it. No, it knows what it is, and it's not trying yeah. to be something it's not. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, as, but this I'm whiskey, whoa. <laughs> hang on, hang on, we'll, get, we'll come to the whiskey. Hang on. Excellent. Uh, what do you think That's all I did here. Um, I, I may have had all four, they've only got like four songs on Spotify, uh, and I've had That's all four right, of them yeah. on repeat since I saw, like, you know. I, I put on the the first song we had. I put that on sort of early this morning. Had listened through. Went, oh, that's really nice. Had another list, list, list later on. Went, oh yeah, that's still nice. That one I put it on and went. That's the random stuff I have on my writing playlist. So I have a writing playlist which sits in the background and just plays sort of banging tunes, which I quite like. And I can see in there this little thread from almost sort of shoegazy stuff all the way through to there's this yeah. band called um, Thyla that are down in Brighton. 
who the only reason I really the reason I really liked them was because they had did a zine called Thylazine, which is the name of an animal, and they just called themselves like. But they're, they're like more sort of like dreamy, sort of like you know happy pop version of that. Yeah, yeah. And I quite like them at the moment, and it's just like a slightly bigger, and it's just it feels very wide. The sound just was big, and so with my little crappy Amazon speakers on my desk, sitting here tapping away rubbish about booze. That's exactly the sort of music I want to sort of have pop up on my little playlist, sort of interspersed with just all the other bits and pieces. And it's just like, right, happy bouncing, going to write some booze. And <laughs> it was perfect for that. So unfortunately, I've had a look and uh, I am already booked to go out for a beer that, on their next gig. So it's exactly the sort of thing I just wander into town, wander a little gig at the old blue last. Yeah. Yeah, this, the, the glories of being in London, that if you find small bands playing small gigs, like the old blue last, absolute classic, room above a pub, bigger than that but basically room above a pub you know really really sort of good stuff for that and also i've not done that for a while this has been there's been this thing happening recently yeah, so, yeah. I, yeah. I remember some of some of some of it yeah something yeah like that. <laughs> I, I i remember gigs yeah so yeah but um no this whiskey though uh yeah so i was saying we're sort of stepping up a little bit each time yeah, that yeah first this one was a bit more pungent yes that first one was just like light and fruity and orchard fruit and honey and that sort of thing we're now getting onto the fruit cakey side of things. Yeah, yes. there's still fruit in there. Yes. There's Couldn't still fruit in there. Right, you're right. It's still yeah. fruit, but instead of going for sort of like apples and pears, this time we're going for sultanas and raisins. We're yes. going for a bit of spice, sort of like fruit sponge cake, maybe yeah. into sort of like Christmas cake, but not quite there yet. See, that pissed me off when I went to a festival a couple of years ago. A mate of mine, he doesn't, he's not a whiskey, he's not into his whiskey. He just goes out with his mates, drinks beer. Gets pissed and that's him. He'll drink whiskey if you give it in with coke. And he came out with me to a whiskey festival because he thought, you know, I'll just come along anyway. And he picked up this whiskey. He smelled it, tasted it, went, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, oh, it tastes like Christmas pudding. And it really pissed me off because I know it's in there and I couldn't taste it. And I drink whiskey. So I was really fucking angry. Well, yeah, I, I sit there and I, I write taste notes for a living. I'd say I, my favorite note I've ever written was for a whiskey from Highland Park. We bottled it for Black Friday a few years ago and it had this light, gentle smokiness in there. And I wrote a story all about coming in from the moors on a cold day, walking through the uh, the village sort of thing with the slate roofs and the smoke coming out the chimneys, walking into a house for Christmas dinner. Um, it was Christmas whiskey, sorry, walking for this sort of Christmassy sort of dinner, and there being Florentines on the side, and then sort of like pudding and things like that for cakes. And then you add your cake back out onto the moors again, and this whole sort of thing of that, and this whole story of it. And you know, I write all that, put it out there, and just give someone the whiskey, and they go, Oh, it's got a lovely sort of chocolatey note. Balls, I miss chocolate. <laughs> ah! You know. <laughs> and- <coughs> And again, it comes down to it, the big thing is it's not being able to describe it. If you want to, if you want to get into talking about whiskey and describing the flavors, then little bit by little bit, tasting it and talking to people, listen to what people say. You go, oh, can I, can I get that? And over time, you build it up. You know, I've been doing this now professionally for a decade, but I've been writing about whiskey for fun and talking about whiskey for fun for twenty years. And you know, it's just constantly doing stuff. There's a big whiskey podcaster called Mark Gillespie. He does. Uh, whiskey cast fantastic podcast there's a secret it's hidden tagging. page in his hidden pe- page in his website might gone now which is a story from his wife and daughters saying how weird it is when your husband slash father has to be separated for you in the supermarket because he's so embarrassing because he goes around smelling everything <laughs> and so literally mark walks around the supermarket just smelling all the fruit to make sure that, he, that he's still got the uh, the references in his brain 
And so, yeah, it's, wow. you know, <laughs> I, 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 I go, I use it as an excuse to go and eat a vast quantity of food. And people can see me on camera and see that I am a gentleman who shows that's a, that's a t- technique of, of learning about flavor. But um, yeah, it's all about building up that knowledge. You know, you can't smell and taste something that you've not smelled and tasted before. For years, mm-hmm. I famously told everybody things tasted of dragon fruit. I then tried dragon fruit and realized that that did not taste like what I thought dragon fruit tasted like. You know, I just made up then? a flavor. I thought it was this awesome tropical fruit with loads of tropical flavor, not just something that tastes a bit like a crap apple. Oh, you know, it's a bit dry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, I just I thought so. You know, and there's things like um, oh, what is it? Um, tonka bean. People often use tonka a bean as a bean? a tonka bean is a it's a little bean which people often think tastes of vanilla, and often if you're if you're part of the gang who write tasty notes like me, you might slip in a tonka bean every now and again because you've written the word vanilla 27 times in a day and you want to get something different out there. <laughs> but I never tried tonka. I tried a whiskey recently and I tried it and went, oh, no, that's what tonka bean is, isn't it? it I can understand now. It's, it's, it's like vanilla but not, which is what people have told me. And it's like a combination of vanilla and coconut and Coke and chocolate and mint and herbs and tarragon and weirdness and Again, so you need to have tried something before you can talk about it. So it's over time, you just build this stuff up and you start talking about things and, you know, just talk. And this is another reason to share whiskey with friends and sit around and talk about it. It's like, yeah, talk about other rubbish, but also talk about the whiskey and sort of say, oh, what'd you get there? You know, um, last weekend, weekend before last, I um, sat down with some friends of mine in a house for the first time in a year and a half. And we all bought a bottle of whiskey. We all sat around, we drank the whiskey, we talked about it and the universe in general. And it's the first time in a year and a half I remember quite how important that is and yeah. how much fun that is. Yeah. You know. And last weekend yeah. I spent the entire thing sat outside and eventually slept in the tent beside a smouldering remains of a bonfire topped with a fish. Um, like an effigy of a fish made out of cardboard, which a friend of mine danced around naked. So, you know, it, we drank a lot of whiskey that night as well. That was so the yeah, best it's all time. about whiskey with friends, you know. I, that sounds like a very lo- lots of whiskey night, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it felt surprisingly little whiskey at that point. But anyway, oh, well. then okay. it went on. But yeah. But no, no. Again, it's all about whiskey when it comes to flavor. It's all about the flavor you get. But then the other side of it is sharing that and talking to people about it. And that's where the real fun sort of gets in. Yeah. So, right. I've found um, a way of uh, I've found a way of uh, sharing this um this poem or whatever it is Ema's got to say. Uh... Richie, I hope that you guys are enjoying the show. Um, I'm so sad to be missing this one because this is super fun, but I'm also somewhere sunny, so I'm not that sad about it. (laughs) I hope you guys are enjoying the whiskey. I'm sure you're wondering what this voice note is about. Um, Richie, you messaged into the group chat saying, do we have any ideas for this show? And I replied saying, we should all come up with a poem about whiskey. And you both told me to fuck off. In three different styles. And your challenge is to decide whose poem is for who. I will be reading these poems along with doing impressions. Each poem belonging to one member of the podcast. And I hope you guys enjoy your poem and figure out whose it is that is your challenge all right here we go poem number one i got this whiskey from the whiskey exchange they have many a barrel quite the range orange peeled sense of smoke 
And this one has a hint of oak. Wonderful whiskey. Wonderful range. I got this whiskey from the Whiskey Exchange. That's too Twelve deep for me. Two. Wow, this That's me. This one's me. So great. It's not often I drink whiskey straight. Now this kind of whiskey gets me on a high. Did I mention that I'm on Spotify? I'm telling you, whiskey don't get much better than this. Did I mention I studied music production in college? (laughs) 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 Poem number three, the final poem. Whiskey golden, whiskey fine, whiskey neat, whiskey mine. Beautiful whiskey, a sight to see. Tastes even better when it's free. (laughs) Fucking hell. Okay, I'm going to go now. Um, hope you enjoyed your poems. Have fun figuring out who's is who's. Something's going on with my microphone. But <laughs> yeah, enjoy the episode, you guys. See you later. Email, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. <laughs> um, obviously, the second one was Ema. Ema. Third um, one's you. Probably. The first yeah. one's got to be me. No, because the third one says, I, I, I rarely drink whiskey neat. I only drink whiskey neat. No, that was I don't think any other way. She said, I prefer whiskey. Something about preferring whiskey, but I definitely prefer whiskey when it's free. So that's you. Yeah. I'd give you. <laughs> but um, speaking of drinking whiskey, I had a friend of mine and um, he, pro- he proclaimed to love whiskey. And he, this, it's going back some years. And he, he ordered this whiskey online. And um, I can't for the life remember what it was. It was. Um, it was it was a scotch. It was a nice scotch. It was quite old, and he he ordered it, and he said, "When it when it comes, you have to come round and try it with me." I said, "Definitely, definitely, definitely, yeah." yeah. And uh, I came round to his house, and he but he got this whiskey, beautiful whiskey. I think it might have been a, a Talisker, an old Talisker. But um, yeah, he he put it in his glass and poured coke into it. An absolutely fucking mental. What are you doing? <laughs> you might as well just stick bells in it, you bellend. <laughs> I will. I will say this, and this, yeah, you know, I have no problem with anybody drinking their whiskey how they want to. My whiskey is a different matter. I will drink my. Yeah, don't don't put coke in my whiskey. But at the same time, and this is one of the things I very much like is making people try whiskey in different ways. And so my whiskey club years ago, we did a tasting based on a book by a guy called Dave Broom, one of my favorite whiskey writers, really great guy. He did a book called Whiskey, the Manual. And it was the manual of how to drink whiskey. And in it, he went through like 50 different whiskeys and tried them with soda, Coke, coconut water, and ginger, and rated how each whiskey worked with the different mixes. And he rated some of them with Coke and people, you know, the whiskey community said, it's ridiculous. How dare he suggest that people were allowed <laughs> to drink Lagavulin with Coke? Uh-huh. To which the answer was, the guys at Lagavulin at the next big festival they did uh, served smoky cokies to everybody. And people were going, oh, it's a very nice drink. Well, what's this? <laughs> and they go, well, it's Lagavulin and Coke. And you just see these whiskey keeps going, but oh, this is nice. But I'm not allowed to like this. This is against <laughs> the rules. See, and, no, uh, I'd say stick right. Big Pete with it. Not Lagavulin. Just bang some Big Pete or some Pete Monster. <laughs> Lagavulin <laughs> works really well. Also, Pete Monster is probably about as expensive as Lagavulin these days. Yeah, no, um, Lagavulin is, yeah. 16. And this is the thing people often sort of lose track of is that whiskey is, can be considered most of the time, an ingredient. 
if you stick whiskey in a glass on its own and you add other stuff to it and you make it worse, you have done things wrong. If you create something which is better than the sum of its part, Coke is all right. Like a Villain 16 is really nice. Like a Villain and Coke is pretty damn good. It may not be in your, you know, for you as good as a Lager Villain 16 on yeah. its own, but it is a really nice drink as a combination, you know. And so, um, I get what you're saying, no. but there's a lot of people that, because of their way of thinking, that will try and shoot you for that. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, I know that. I'm, I've been, <laughs> I, I was one of those people for a long time, and now I'm one of the people who gets shot. So, uh, no. <laughs> again, it's, it's as you play around with whiskey over the years, as you drink whiskey, you'll change your mind, and you, you might become more more strict and everything like that. But the overriding rule is, don't tell me how to drink my whiskey. I won't tell you how to drink yours. I might That's suggest that you try something different. And I may look down upon you for doing things. But apart from that, you're fine. Don't worry. Speaking like, of mixing whiskeys, oh, sorry, Wayne. Um, I, I went to. It's nice being on the podcast and being educated on something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, try. I went to a whiskey festival a few years ago. It was probably about three or four years ago now. And uh, one of the re uh, reps for Johnny Walker was there. I don't think it was just Johnny Walker. They had a few different. Uh, but that the King George the fifth is it? Oh yeah, Blue and those, yeah. That, those and I, I had a try of it because uh, I had a special token, which meant I could I could try some of the more expensive whiskies. And those explain how this whiskey is taken from the distilleries that aren't around anymore, and it was the best of the distilleries. So this this you know the blend is the best of each distillery, which which isn't open anymore. I think that's what he said, and. Yeah, and I was as I was drinking, I thought it's nice. However, I would like to try them on their own. It's like you've got the best whiskies possible from the best distilleries, and you've gone. I'm just going to put them together. I, that, that, that to me seems fucking ludicrous. I'm probably wrong because I'm not a whiskey oh. connoisseur. But no, a, a lot of people see that. And that's that's one of the big complaints always about and. I've, this weekend, I said I was up drinking whiskey, and mate of mine who I was with, he doesn't like blended whiskey. He is a, an absolute advocate of single malt. He's also somebody who buys old yeah, bottles of single malt bottled in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and before, and drinks those to see how the, these whiskies were back in time, how they've developed and things like that. You know, because whiskey doesn't really mature in a bottle. It might change a little bit, but it doesn't change very much. But he doesn't like blended whiskey. It's just not his style. And his exact I mean, don't is, get me wrong. I understand like blending's it. an art. It's an art, and if it's done oh, properly, no, 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 it's, fine. it's fantastic. It's, it's there. This is his complaint: is that you, they've taken for these sort of things where they've taken this oldest and rarest stuff, these oldest and rare single malts, they've blended yeah. them together, and it's like, but well, I wanted to try that. I, I can't yeah, try especially that. Especially if they're the best, existing, and that's not my style of stuff. So there is a big movement to that, but there are so many whiskies out there to you know which have those interesting things. You can try those things. There's only very few situations where stuff that you really want to try is going to disappear. And in the case of many of them, it's because they can make more money out of them. Um, but Or it's because the people who would buy them like the, the idea of it and will pay money for it. And it. But a lot of the time, it is because things taste better. So it's the whiskey world is a. I'm not going to go. Into, I, I spend too much of my time destroying the magic of the whiskey world for people. I, I'll, I'll try and keep some of the romance still. I'll talk to you guys. No, that, that, that's that's but. fair. And um, we had a we had a, a company send us uh, some 
a big bottle of that sent a 70 centiliter bottle of their whiskey. It was a black bottle of um and it's the the they've it's the distilleries that have closed over the I forget what the company was called. The Lost Distilleries the distilleries Company. The Lost yeah, Distillery, yeah. yeah. Ah, they sent us uh, one one of their bottles and uh I thought, yeah, it was it was, it was I mean, does it really taste like the original we'll we'll never know, but we don't know. It's exactly that. It's a really lovely idea they've had. And it's also a really incredible conceit. And I still say, well done to them for coming up with it because nobody's <laughs> going to say, no, you're wrong. So it's they're all probably, about basically all wrong. But then, then basically, on, yeah, the note, notes and what people have said in yeah. the past and what's been noted down there, they've, they've blended something that they think is close to those notes. It's probably a million miles away. Right. But somebody, a lot of people will probably look at it and think, well, this is definitely what they had then, then from I that distillery. So, sorry to interrupt, but I seem to remember Rich said it was, it was, <laughs> I don't remember the name <laughs> of it, but I remember it was, it was closed in 1903, the distillery was. Yeah. Um, and then they'd, they'd found this. I'm sure they got the original recipe as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the, they always have the original recipe, otherwise, there's no point in trying to blend mm. it together. I mean, and I'm it, not gonna, I'm not taking away from them, I'm not knocking them. Mm. You know, they're doing the best they can with, with the information that they've got, and the fact that they're trying to revive and trying to keep alive the memory of that distillery is fantastic. Yeah. And or, you know, fair play to them. No, they're, 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 they're as long as they make good whiskey, and that's the important thing. And yeah. having the recipe doesn't really help because the way the the story makes their spirit isn't a recipe of what they put in it's actually the process a lot more it's much more difficult yeah. to record that especially in 1903 <laughs> where they had just people drawing pictures of things rather than actually taking photographs of stills and what i've heard about the guys is, is they've gone to some effort to create an idea of a flavor profile have created these whiskeys fattening them together from different distilleries to make something that should taste along the right lines but the overarching thing is also make something that tastes nice and there's yeah. so many projects out there people will sort of talk about, especially in the geek world, they go, well, I wish they would do this. And you go, well, intellectually, that's a very interesting experiment. It would taste bloody awful. But well <laughs> done for you for wasting all of that money, you know. <laughs> so he gets that weird geeky thing. But the most important thing with whiskey, always I say, is, you know, it needs to taste good. And pretty much all the whiskeys out there these days, they do taste good. We don't have that many things which are going to make you go blind or, you know, sit there and go, I don't like it. You might go down the supermarket, buy yourself a cheap bottle of like Tesco's own brand whiskey, um, which I did the maths on it a little while back. And Tesco's value whiskey, a grand total of £1.26 after tax is spread between Tesco, the manufacturer, and everybody in the entirety of the supply chain for that bottle. £1. The glass bag costs about 50p, you know, so yeah, £1.26. But, um, <laughs> but even that, if you want a whiskey and Coke, it's something that will work really well in it. I've tried... I, I used to buy that and drink it just over ice if I was just sort of like sitting around not wanting to think about things and wanted something that tasted a bit like whiskey. You know, mm. there's a place for all of these things somewhere in the spectrum of uh, the whiskey world. You know, they all have a purpose. Um, and none of them are that bad. Not even Tesco's value whiskey, which is better than some of it, actually. Does well, do you mention you mentioned Tesco value, and I've got I've got to mention now. You know, when people obviously your friends and family know you as a, a whiskey person. So when they decide to buy you a gift for whatever, whether it be a birthday, Christmas, or you've done something nice for them, so they buy you whiskey, they think, oh, buying whiskey. And that every time someone like that buys you whiskey, when they give it you, you always go, fuck me. 
because <laughs> you know because that, that's what that's what we do because we know in our head what we like and then they and so recently somebody gave me this it was a uh, age 12 years and you can see that it was a, it's a, a co-op co-op zone and i thought fucking hell well i've got nothing else in the house i'll just <laughs> surprisingly good <laughs> <laughs> Those supermarket whiskies, they all look basically because I can't remember exactly which supermarket's which, but all the supermarkets have a contract with one of the major distillers and blenders to sort them out whiskey. So I think it's Aldi are with Grants, the guys who own uh, Glenfiddich and Balvenie. Little are with White and Mackay, who also own um, Dalmore and Fetterken and other places. And so when you buy your bottle of Ben Bracken, it could be one of their own distilleries, but it could be stuff they've bought off other distilleries to put in their own blends because all the blenders buy stuff from all over Scotland. So little um, Aldi this year bottled a 16-year-old Isla whiskey. Um, I now know where it was from through various different bits of information that I've learned from other people. Um, and it's not where people expect it, but it's a really, really high-quality whiskey from Isla, which is normally really expensive. Like a well in 16 costs... 60 something quid a bottle they were selling this for 30 pound ago um i had two bottles of it they didn't last very long you know and... this on the whiskey exchange the uh floor 18 i don't know if we have at the moment um i'll tell you a bit about the whiskey exchange quickly to explain the reason why i can't say yes or no off the top of my head uh, we've been around for uh 20 years um we our founders uh, a pair of brothers whose family had the f um, an off license over here in west london where i live they're over in hanwell and um, so Raspberry and Skinder have grown up in this off-license. And when their parents decided to retire, they said, let's do our own business. Raspberry did computing at university. Sikinder did, I think he was a, a, a chartered surveyor who came out of university just at the time when he couldn't get a job, so worked in the shop because there was a housing crash. So between Sikinder's experience working in the shop and being a whiskey collector and Raspberry knowing about computers, they built the Whiskey Exchange, which back in 1999 was a spreadsheet on the internet. Um, and... Um, yeah, we've grown over the past 20 years from uh, Raj Kinder and their wives um, in their big sort of family house from there to about 300 employees. We have three shops okay. in London. We have a big warehouse and we're the largest online specialist spirits retailer in the world. And wow. The reason why I can't tell if you've got the Freud 18, although I'm about to do a search quietly in the background to make it look like I know, um, is that um, we have about 10,000 things on the website at any point in time, 10,000 lines. About yeah. 5,000 of them will be whiskey. Um, and of those 5,000, probably about 2,500 to 3,000 will be current bottlings, and the other 1,500, 2,000 will be old bottlings, which have been discontinued, which we, my boss buys old and rare whiskey and deals with that. So we have some Lafroy 18 on our website. No, how much, how much is it? Currently, we're selling it for £299 a bottle which is a little bit more than it used to be, but it's very hard to find now. Um, it's I've a little bit more than what I paid for it, but I don't think it's that much more. No, it's... My boss is generally pretty good with prices. Sometimes you see things where you go, that's outrageous. You'll go, yes, he just had to pay a lot of money to get that. <laughs> yeah. but he, knows he, he knows he can sit on it for a little bit. He knows yeah. it's going to be worth that. You know, we have everything on the website from... How many of those, Jeff? Yeah, because when it disappears, you might find it's me that's taken it. I'll keep an eye on this one. So. But no, you, you see everything on our website from like, you know, a couple of quids worth of miniature. Uh, the boss used to be a mini collector. And so he graduated from collecting minis, collecting full-size bottles. He's now got one of the biggest whiskey collections in the world. It's really scary. I've seen bits of it. So we have everything from minis up to 
really expensive Scotch whiskey. I'm just trying to find out what our most expensive whiskey on the website at the moment is. Um, the most expensive I know we've ever sold was 150,000. What? Well, um, hot, I, I'm going I'm to try and try and guess what it might be. I'm going to guess that it's either a a rare Bushmills because that's the oldest distillery in the world, or Highland Park seem to go for for a lot of money. They do do silly money. It's not Bushmills because while well, Bushmills claim they put sixteen oh eight on their bottle, uh, that's yeah. a lie. Um, sorry, <laughs> that, that is a uh, an interpretation of history. Um, <laughs> I'll talk about I'll, I'll talk about the whiskey exchange book in a bit. But I've written a book which is coming out in October, and in that I had to do a lot of research into Irish history, and I, I finally got the little bits and pieces around Bushmills. And um, yeah, so sixteen oh eight, there was a um, the patents were granted to people to lords in the local area to be have a monopoly on the creation of certain saleable goods. And in somewhere near the town that would become Bushmills mm -hmm. in 1608, a lord was allowed to make whiskey. And they've gone, oh, oh, that's us, that's us. It's like, mate, your distillery wasn't built into the 19 bloody 60s. <laughs> so, you know, anyway, um, there has been distilling going on in the neighborhood of Bushmills for a long time. But as with many whiskey stories, it's mostly rubbish. But no, so oh. it, Highland Park do get expensive, but not quite that expensive. So the 150,000 was a royal salute tribute to honor which was a very special blended whiskey where the bottle was covered in many, many diamonds. Uh, and so it was the bottle the end, that was worth the money, not the whiskey? Exactly. On our website at the moment, the most expensive whiskey we have is £145,000. And it is a 55-year-old Macallan in a, in a Lalique crystal decanter. You know, okay. The next one's hundred thousand. Keep your eye on that because when it's gone, it might be me. This had it. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, and this is the thing: the whiskey world's got really, really strange now because we have all these whiskies to drink, but nobody's drinking fifty-five-year-old Macallan at hundred and forty-five grand in a bottle. No, they're collecting it. It's, it's become a collector's item. So people talk about a lot about However, collectors' whiskey, but I do drink collectors' items. So. <laughs> well, as do I, you know, I've got, I've got a nice bottle of a uh, 1989 Bunnahaven here. This one's a, a unique one because it's a. That looks full. It's got, my, it's got it's got my name on the label, so you know, right. yeah, not oh, spelt yeah. right. But apart from oh, that, a Johnny Walker um, with my name on the label, it don't mean nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, there is a lot of people out there collecting whiskey now, but there is still this big market for just people drinking whiskey. People often forget that moment because it's so it's so often in the news you see things like, oh, whiskey goes for a million pounds at auction or something like that, you know. Um, I know what those bottles are because I've seen them all because my boss owns them all. You know, <laughs> uh, he, he, the, 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 the three big ones which have gone for over a million, he has all three. I've seen all three. Um, the Two of them are quite impressive in real life. One of them is just a, a tall, round, regular-sized bottle of whiskey and you go, 1.6 million you say okay i'm going to step away from this now why did you put that in my hands wow. you know, um so yeah whiskey has that but just whiskey is for drinking and it is it has been over the years and increasingly at the moment is the drink for everybody you can find whiskey at every price point ever and one of the things we try and do at the whiskey exchange is always make sure we have whiskey at every price point we have horrifically expensive things which we sell and make loads of money and it's great because we can all you know buy more booze ourselves and also actually eat and have flats and things but mm -hmm. we have you know the, the, the business continues and we have these incredible spirits that people are looking for and one of the things i'm very fortunate to do is that we do lots of tastings we, we open these things we try and make sure people try them everything from the regular whiskies 
through to the old and rare. You know, we, our whiskey show is all about getting that whiskey out there for people to try. And when we have a chat with the exhibitors, we do sort of say, so um, you're going to bring the nice stuff as well. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, <laughs> the nice stuff as well. And at the show, we have this rule that everything under £500 a bottle is just freely poured on the stand. If it's less than 500 quid, you just have to pour it. Over 500 quid, everybody who comes in gets a token, and that is for one dream dram token. Between that's 50, right. 500 and 1,000 pound a bottle, that's one token. 1,000 to two is two tokens. Two to three is three tokens. And you can buy an extra token for a tenner. So if you spend a tenner on a token and go into the show, that's two tokens you've got. You can drink a whiskey that is up to 2,000 pound a bottle. Because we want these whiskeys to be open and drunk. They are made to be drunk. Some people will never open them. We want to give people the experience of these incredible high-end whiskies without having to pay over the odds. I don't know how you do it, but um, Nichols and Perg do the same thing where you get a, to a dream, it's a dream jam token. They, they, they copied us. Okay. They, they, I'm, sure they, I'm, sure they, I'm sure they did. They didn't do it very well because the first year they did it, they gave us these uh, poker tokens that you can buy off Argus. And yep. uh, the next year they used the same tokens. I caught on yep. to that. I must have spent, I must have drunk about two thousand pounds worth of whiskey for about thirty quid. <laughs> the, uh, we, we 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 deliberately have ours made specially for us. We have different colours every year, and every year we have somebody turning up with the because we have two different colours. One is the one we give away for free, which all the exhibitors they don't get any money for that. But all the extra tokens people buy, we just give the exhibitors all the money for that. They give they brought these incredible whiskies. We're going to pay them back for it. But every year somebody turns up with like you know a handful of things from the previous year and goes, hello, can I have this five gram whiskey, which is four thousand pounds? And they go, um, that's the wrong color. They go, yeah, but can I have the whiskey now, please? And it's well, like, unless you can time travel. <laughs> Unfortunately, not. We did tell you when you bought them very clearly. Yeah, again, so um, but no, we uh, we actually have specially made ones. They're made out of potato starch, so they don't last very long as well. They even uh, biodegrade over the years. So if you've kept them for a year, you've done very well. A lot of thought gone into it. We we have to because otherwise the exhibitors won't bring the expensive whiskeys. That's the thing, <laughs> yeah. you know. But well, um, I'm reluctant to go into another song, Wayne. To we be should honest, do. Yes, yes, yes. We, so we need to do another whiskey as well. So yeah, definitely. Should we do one yes. last song then, and we can do wild card? So we don't even know yeah. what it's going to be. And we're doing. Um, uh, I've already poured my kill kill I'll, I'll, let, I'll let air for a bit. Yes, Kilcoman yep. so, 2007. 50. Yep. Kilcoman, this is nine percent. Yes, this is a bit of a punchy one. 53.9. It is 13 years old and it's one of the oldest whiskies, maybe the oldest whiskey they've ever released. And we got it. Um, but I'll tell you about the distillery wow. in a bit. So we're quite lucky. Um, what, what I'm going to do is then um, I'm going to go into my emails because we get hundreds of emails every week. And um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to say stop at any point as I'm flicking through, Billy. And that's what we're going to play. It could be dog shit. It could be amazing. So I am flicking as we speak. I'm flicking, I'm flicking, stop. I'm flicking. I'm fl okay. Uh, we have from Rogue PR, PR company, roguepr.gmail.com. Uh, they've sent baby shakes with sweet and sour part two. Really, Almost relevant really. song title and everything. Mm. Uh, hey, hope all is well. We we were just wondering if you could do a news post review on the band on the brand new single. God, I've only had two on the brand new single single from Baby Shakes, titled "Sweet and Sour Part 2. 
All the info you need can be found below, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to read all that out. If you do like this, listeners, and you do want to find more about them, links in the show notes. So, yeah, this is Sweet and Sour by Baby Shakes. Um, I'm going to share that now. And I'm going to go to the toilet while it's playing. Have I got it? There it is. So, yeah, that was some 80s pop rock there by Banana Rama. Um, but they've they got yeah. a Wikipedia page and everything. Have they really? Yeah. I was quite surprised. Um, no, they, they've been around for absolutely ages. 2005. So They sound like they've been around since the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they changed drummer. That's what it'll be. That, that's probably it, yeah. yeah. Um, not a bad song at all. Um, hey, it good. was... Um, it was very nostalgic. Um, I was born in the 80s, or born in 1980, so I do like that music. Um, 
it, it reminds me of a song, and I can't put my finger on what the song is. Um, I really do my head in. What did you think of this, Wayne? Maybe you can touch on what I'm thinking. <laughs> I really liked it this, the first time around as well. Uh-huh. I can't think of I, the song. You missed what I said there, didn't you? But we've, we've but the first time round. We've already played this on the show. Have we really? We played this last year, yeah. We really need to start deleting our emails. <laughs> I know this song, I know I do. What are the chances that I've never heard this one? And uh, I think I think the conversation we had when you were going, it reminds me of something else. I'm sure we'd come up with Chelsea Dagger by, um, oh, I forgot the name of the band. You know, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. But yeah, it's got that definite sound. It's it's nice, sort of 60s, 70s garage band sort of sound. Lovely. With those, yeah, thundering vocals and that. Was this your vibe, Billy? Were you getting anything from this? It's all right. Yeah, it's the sort of thing that was sort of sitting in the background and be on my list of random things. I probably wouldn't seek it out. Um, I, I, I like my guitar solos to be slightly less repeated. Um, and that's about <laughs> it, really, I sort of say on that one. But no, no, it, it, it's good fun sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, looking at the Wikipedia page, it fits in exactly with a New York sort of like, you know, rock band with three women yeah. sort of like, you know, bashing out tunes yeah. sort of thing. If it, it fits into a genre and it does it really well. Mm. Yeah. Who's your yeah, favourite so- band, Billy? Here's a question for you. Question. Who's your favourite band? That's a very, very difficult thing. Or musician. If you, who's your favourite artist or artists? For example, the, the next two gigs I'm going to, which I, have, I finally got my ticket through for my 18-month delayed gig, which was uh, meant to go ahead, I think, on the day that lockdown started. And my next two gigs I've got, I've got John Smith, who is a fantastic folk guitarist and singer. If you've never heard John Smith, he's johnsmithjohnsmith.com because John Smith as an artist, it's quite a difficult thing to search for. But you search for John Smith twice. No, he's got, he's got a good clothing line and a good beer as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to see him. Uh, but then uh, about a week later on, I'm going to see Ash, because Ash are the band I've been following since right. I was a kid, because Tim Wheeler's a year older than me. He's 77, I'm 78. And uh, consequently, when I was doing my GCSEs, he was running around in the US meeting the cast of Star Wars, and I was trying to learn maths, and it was very upsetting. Yeah. And uh, There were GCSEs when you were a kid. Uh, we did have oh, GCSEs. Look, I've, I've got like two years on you, mate. Okay, nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's we not, we not. had GCSEs. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, and then like a couple of weeks later, I want to see Raging Speedhorn. Uh, I don't know if you know the Speedhorn, but they are yeah, one of my favourite Speedhorn, bands yeah, of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I used to uh, back in the days of the LA two. Um, used to go and see them all the time. Me and the bassist in my band at the time he was six foot four of brick shit house. We go down the front and spend a large amount of time throwing tiny children in the air. <laughs> and uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I go oh, for a walk in the days. Ah, <laughs> oh, the good old days. Yes. Well, I used to know the merch guy, and he would say thank you very much for wearing that t-shirt. Where I wore the same t-shirt at every single gig because he'd forgotten that he told me that he liked it at every single gig. <laughs> so, so you're in the band yourself? Uh, I used to be many years ago. Um, we were basically a Metallica covers band. Uh, we don't only play Metallica, okay. but we sounded like we did because no matter what we played, it sounded a bit like Metallica. Like trivia. So, uh, yeah, I was about um, to say the same thing. Uh, hmm? I, I was a question for you then. What do you think of uh, Miley Cyrus's um, latest release? I haven't heard it. Oh dear. Have you heard it, Billy? 
I have heard two two songs from that album, and I feel that both of them are abominations unto God himself. Uh, it's just, oh, the Mighty Cyrus one didn't hurt me as much as the other one. I can't remember who did the other one, but the other one, I may have started swearing at about 30 seconds in. Um, <laughs> no, the Miley Cyrus yeah, and then one. Just the Miley Cyrus, it's Miley Cyrus with Elton John and two other people they've done Nothing Else Matters. And oh, no. It's one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. It's so bad. Why would they do it? Because Metallica have sold out completely now. They even posted up on social media saying what a great rendition it is. It's like, have you lot not got ears anymore? It's ridiculous. I would say it was a great rendition though if I'd sold the rights for as much money as they've probably got from it. <sighs> I'm trying, just looking up the other one because the other one is even nastier and more upsetting. The other one's got Bruce Springsteen involved, I think. Wow, um, Jesus. It, 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 it's not popping up, so it can't be Springsteen. It's somebody who just go, no, no, why would you do that? It's um, <laughs> she's, uh, she's releasing an entire album of Metallica covers. Well, it's not. It's not Miley Cyrus. It's Metallica oh, is it, to, is it to celebrate the uh, anniversary of the Black Album. Have, right, are okay. doing the Black Album remastered and another CD of the Black Album um, covered. I think it's called Blacklisted. <laughs> the Black Album remastered yeah. and the Black Album destroyed. <laughs> yeah. And oh no, it is. Um, I'm just trying to find 53 unique artists is the thing they're saying. It's got 53 different people on it, and so many of them are people who should not be doing this. It's just um, it's upsetting. Weezer are on it, so that's always good. Um, Biffy Pyro on it, so that's all right. And there's a few people in there I think are good, but then when you get um, Miley Cyrus, here we go, here we go. Miley Cyrus featuring Watts, Elton John, Yo Yo Ma, Robert Trujillo, Chad Smith. That's a lot of people in there who should know better. Chad Smith. <laughs> it's just no oh, well done. No bad. No biscuits for you. It's just um, oh, it, it's it's horrible. But yeah, I can't. I'm trying to remember who the other um, al- the other song I've seen is, but I can't find it at the moment. But um, a friend of mine sent it to me, and then just giggled as I as I swore at him repeatedly over Facebook Messenger. It's like, yep, that's the appropriate reaction. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of biscuits, you said biscuits. Uh, what would what what's your recommended food group to go with a good whiskey? There are lots of different ideas people have sort of come up with recently, and um, people talk about chocolate and cured meat. Uh, oysters is one that goes with smoky whiskeys quite a lot. Uh, generally, we advise not to drink. Um, whiskey with oysters because they often have a weird reaction and people get very very drunk very very quickly <laughs> however um, what i will say is i went to talisker <laughs> distillery on sky we drove up around the back of the distillery there is a guy up there on the hill who sells fresh oysters out of the bay in front of talisker uh, <laughs> and i got the teeny bottle of talisker you know, like the hundred mil bottle of talisker i got out the distillery and filled oyster shells with them and went <clears throat> and, and you know scarfed a pile of oysters with talisker I became nice. quite drunk and I sat in the back of a car and someone drove me around. It was great. But um for a little more. But the, the thing I would say, one is always if you go to Talisker, go to the oyster place, probably more than the distillery, because the distillery is good, but the oyster place is stunning. Um, <laughs> it's literally a shack. It's a guy called the it's called the oyster shed. And if you go for, look for the oyster man sky online, you ship stuff around the country and halfway through lockdown. I got a box of longestine and oysters and scallops and stuff like that, half of which he pulled out of the bay in front of Talisker. And uh, it's nothing quite like sitting in northwest London with a freshly purchased oyster knife because you never had an oyster in your house before, smacking oysters open, drinking Talisker and sort of like remembering when you were up there years ago. 
Um, Sounds the, like the a terrible my, job. <laughs> I, that, was, yeah. that, was just, that was just an evening. My, my job does sometimes end, although it's very difficult to see the dividing line sometimes. But my, my boss's recommendation, and something we keep on saying we're going to do at the whiskey shows. What do you do for a holiday? Fucking hell. <laughs> I get told off my holidays because I generally go to distilleries and breweries on my holiday and make some mine in the industry go, no, stop it. Bossman's <laughs> <laughs> holiday. <laughs> Dried fruit and nuts. Dry fruit and nuts is my boss's recommendation to the point he was going to put a bowl of mixed fruit and nuts on every single stand at the whiskey show. Um, maybe not this year where people don't want to dip their hands into a big bowl of shared nuts, um, but um, unsalted um, nuts and raisins and dry fruit and mango and stuff like that with whiskey works really, really well. Uh, it's a lesser, lesser done combo, but really good. Other than that, if you want to really impress people, find some really dark chocolate. Sorry, not really, really dark, but you know, good dark chocolate, but not too dark, which has got sea salt and cocoa nibs in it. There's a few different brands who do it. It's like sort of like 65% cocoa nib and sea salt. And the thing about that is it will go with every single whiskey under the sun. It will taste great. You can just go, yeah, it's just a, a pairing I do sometimes. And you look amazing and look like you know what you're talking about because that's uh, blagging is 90%. First whiskey tasting I ever went to, uh, I went with a friend of mine, he's a bit more well-to-do than me. He, he t- took the risk taking me along with him. And we sat down. It was uh, the, the, a, guy, a guy from Jura came down, and he, uh, I don't know, well, he brought some Jura with him, and he brought Dalmore with him. And uh, we, we, we tasted a fair few of them. And one of the uh, blokes next to me, quite smart and well-spoken, he said, oh, a few more of these, and I'm going to be wanting a bit of jo- dark chocolate. And I said, a few more of these, mates, and I'm going to get, be getting me a kebab. And he looked at me <laughs> like a piece of shit under his shoe. I, I will admit, um, as I say, you can, you know, people who unfortunately can't see my beautiful physique, I, I am sylph-like <laughs> and like an antelope bounding across the South African belt. Uh, everybody who can actually see me, yeah, I do eat a lot of kebabs. And there is nothing yeah, quite yeah. like going out for a whiskey tasting. And, and after you've done like incredible whiskey tasting, you have incredible drinks, you know, things which you have never going to try ever again, having a pint of cooking lager and getting a kebab on the way home. It's it's a beautiful sort of reversed sort of slide at that point. It's just Not just yeah. me then. Not just me. But, but I should really? tell you a little bit about this whiskey, actually. because uh, You should, sorry. So, uh, so it's, it's still doesn't smell on the nose as it does on the mouth. Kilcoman, the first whiskey that we tried tonight, which is smoky. So this is the first one where people really start getting divided. And the way you make whiskey is you take barley. And part of the barley, the thing you do with barley is you malt it, which is you sort of trick it to growing, convert some sugars into ways you can turn it into booze. And anyway, the barley becomes malted, which makes it so we can use it. Part of that process is you need to dry it. And in the olden days in Scotland, they had no trees because the English had cut them all down to make ships. And... Um, so it was all peat that you used to dry your your barley. And so peat stinks when it burns. Peat is this sort of muddy stuff. You dig out the ground, let it dry into bricks. You can light it. It burns hot. It burns smoky. And it absolutely reeks of the stuff you can f- smell in this glass. It sticks to the barley, and it just runs through the entire whiskey-making process and comes out in the still. These days, you don't need to use peat. But that smoky flavor is so loved by so many people, they make sure... They use peat still to ensure that flavour comes into the whisky still. So Kilcoman on an island called Isla. And Isla is off the northwest coast, southwest, off the west coast of Scotland. 
No, I'm not very good at direct, I literally have to imagine a compass in my brain there to work out which direction it was. <laughs> um, so off the west coast of Scotland, the Little Island, there are, I think, eight distilleries there at the moment. I can't remember the number, which is really bad because my boss is trying to build one. Um, but Kilcoman is the second most recent. The most recent one opened like last year, a couple of years ago. Kilcoman opened in 2005. This whiskey was bottled um, at 13 years old uh, in 2019, which doesn't seem to make sense to me, but it says 13. No, 2007, not 2007. Oh, sorry. It's still 2007, so almost one of the oldest whiskies they have, but it's one of the oldest whiskies they've released. So it's bottled earlier this year. Um, and Kilcoman has been bottling these whiskies, but never quite got as, as old as this, I think. I think this might be the oldest whiskey they've ever bottled. This is my um, favourite. And as whiskey gets older, especially smoky whiskey, it rounds off the edges. It, not all old whiskey's great and all young whiskey's not good. That's not the way it works. Young smoky whiskey is one of my favorite things. As it gets older, it changes and different flavors come out. And in this, you have that smoke, but that fruitiness from that first whiskey is still hiding in there. And for one of the things we really like at the whiskey exchange is we love a fruity whiskey. So a lot of our exclusive whiskeys, as all these threes are, um, are that fruitier style. And then here you have that big tarry smoke, but you also have some apples and pears and uh, sort of apricots and things like that in there. Yeah, it's a lovely drink. Mm. Absolutely lovely. I, uh, I, was, I was watching the, you've obviously, obviously seen the uh, Whiskey Tribe, and they mm. did um, an episode where they had, uh, I think it was either th somewhere between 30 and 50 year old Lafroig. I think it might have been 30 something year old Lafroig. And um, they were saying how, because of the age, the that smokiness that you expected, it was almost gone. And yep. you, it's weird because you you think that as it got older, you'd expect it to be more pungent and more. But no, it, it doesn't. No. And that's the thing about Scotch whiskey, especially other whiskies in different places will mature in different ways. But Scotch whiskey, the reason why the older ones are so prized is if they survive because they don't all survive. And some old whiskey goes woody and horrible and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But if it survives, it loses those edges. It uses the, the really over-the-top punchiness, and you get these softer, smoother, lighter flavors coming through and textures in the whiskey itself. So Kilcomen, we don't know, because we can't get a whiskey that's older than no. 14 years out of them because they weren't making whiskey back then. But that Lefroy, being said, though, that being said, you can get like really old ones. Sorry? That being said, Lefroy, like Lagavulin, Ardbeg, they sell so well because of that punchiness because that, that that's their that's that that's their selling point so if you if you leave them for longer and longer and longer it's it, it, that they almost stop being the whisker that you bought them for there is still running through it the dna of the distillery and this is one of the things about these older whiskies is that they can taste entirely different but if you find them and you catch them at the right point in the cask or you vat different casks together to make sure that you get the flavors you want you know, I've tried some very, very old smoky whiskies. I've been really lucky in my career to try these things, you know, 40, 50-year-old whiskies. Um, I recently tried the oldest production whiskey ever, which I can't talk about for another two weeks. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's very nice. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I still have the glass here uh, unwashed from last week when I tried it, because every now and again I just go, still smells nice. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Is it expensive yeah. then? They won't tell us the price yet. Anyway, we'll find you'll, you'll hear all about that at the beginning of September. But um, 
I've tried these incredible old whiskies, and especially when it comes to the smoky ones, they don't necessarily get worse. Sometimes they're a little bit lacking. Sometimes they're not as good as they would have been when younger. And same with any whiskey. But some of them are absolutely stunning. And that conversion over time of the smoke disappearing it often becomes fruit, but really tropical fruit. And classic example is a distillery called Bamore. Uh, Bamore is normally known for being a slightly lighter style of smokiness. But if you find the infamous slash famous slash horrifically expensive now black Bamore and other whiskies from the 1960s, it's incredible. It's like drinking sort of like lychee juice. It's just got it's such a pure tropical flavor in them. But that's the reason why those things cost tens of thousands of pounds a bottle and hundreds of thousands of pounds a bottle is because they are so rare because one, you know, people drank them back in the, uh, yeah. the 1970s, 1980s, or there's so few casks that they can sell them for horrific amounts of money. But no, it's, it's, um, this sort of style here, this is sort of sitting in that middle. It's not really young and feisty. You get the younger ones, and it's almost like you're standing next to a kiln while the sea, you know, sea uh, big yes. waves crash in it your might, face. And, in fact, after you you've know. explained that, it might be one of the reasons why the Lefroy 18 is one of my favourite of that style because it's it's slightly softer, it, but it's it's still it's still there. Like I say, it's still, the the DNA is still running through. And if you like Lefroy yeah. 18, the other whiskey I'd say try is Talisker 18. Because Talisker and Lefroy are not the same at all. Talisker and Lefroy very different whiskies. But Talisker 18 calms down in the same way from the 10-year-old. Uh, Lefroy 18 calms down from the 10-year-old and turns into that like, you know, fruity, smoky thing. Talisker 18 is probably my go-to whiskey at the moment. If someone says, what's your favourite? Used to be Clyde Niche 14, and I say Talisker 18 because I'm slightly classier, so I can spend a little bit more on a bottle. <laughs> but um, no, fantastic. How much is stuff. the uh, Talisker 18? It's like 70, 80 quid. That's not it, too bad. It should be so much more. And yeah. I recently bought a bottle at a charity auction, my first one for ages. And I paid like 85, 90 quid for it this auction, thinking I got a massive deal, only to discover I'd massively overpaid. Wow. Um, so it's just such a good price, although they're relaunching at the moment, so it might go up in price. In general, if I for, for, for my, my go to, well, my go to now, if I'm going for like a not so smoky from now on, it's probably going to be the Clonellish 14. But if I'm going yeah. for something smoky PT, because that, that's what I love, usually nine times out of ten, it's going to be the Lagavulin 16. Yeah, well, randomly sort of reaching around behind me. Well, there we go. That's like that's a 10. But, Is that 18? That's a 16. Oh, 16, sorry. This sits yeah, beside yeah, my yeah. desk very specifically because I do tastings for a guy I know in the USA who works for a, a bank over there. And he does these tastings where I come in and him, a bunch of random people he wants to do a deal with, will do some drinking and then we'll sort of like, I'll hand over to them. I'll go away. They can get on doing financy deal stuff. And yeah, that's my go to. 16 is what Love we it. end on every single time because it's just a, such yeah. a crowd pleaser. It's a classic. Um, it's years a, yeah. ago, I wrote, because I was annoyed with all these other people who I know who are bloggers getting free advent calendars from one of our rivals. For some reason, they didn't send me a free whiskey advent calendar working for their major rival and everything. So I said, <laughs> right, I'm going to make my own advent calendar. I'm going to write an entry a day for the whole of December. So I wrote about a different whiskey every day for the whole of December. And I hadn't written that much on my own blog for such a long time because I've been you know, writing on the work blog and everything. But, excuse me. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I got to... 
December 24th, I'm going to do 16. The most popular post I have ever written, not only amongst whiskey people, but all of my other mates who came out of the uh, woodwork and went, oh, Lagavulin 16, yeah, I know that one, actually. Yeah, I like that. That's really nice. It really and it's is. just such a thing. Even within the whiskey world, it's loved. And outside of the whiskey world, it's just known as, you know, people sort of know it's their sort of secret treat and things like that. And the one which people wouldn't necessarily know about until they realize everybody knows it and loves it. That's a great whiskey. In the same price range, I'd also if 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 I couldn't get these, if the sixteen wasn't available at my shop, where I'll go, I'd probably go with the Yugadale. Yeah, Arbeg Yugadale, another great Arbeg. I've unfortunately shot themselves in the foot a little bit. They had a range of ten Yugadale and Corrie Vrecken, three whiskies, very well priced, all of them very very good. And whenever they try and release another thing, people just go, "Well, yeah, they start sending not quite fucking stuff into space. What's that about?" That, that's a story I could, I could talk about that for a very long time and trust me you don't want that for, for today so. <laughs> right tell Fine. us tell us about this, this book then Billy tell us about this oh right, yeah so, your book so, yeah so this is actually not my book oh, oh sorry this sorry is, before uh, sorry sorry oh, Billy Billy oh, um, have you got the video for the kill oh, uh, kill Coleman. oh kill Jesus Coleman. I really don't know if I really want can be arsed now but yeah I, have, I do have a, no we've we, we given all the other distillers a video yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give this one and then we'll talk about Billy's book yeah, well, yeah. This has been a longer than usual episode, but I've really loved it. It's been, <laughs> this, is, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, Kil- was it Kilcoman? Yeah, Kilcoman. Yeah. They're a bit new. Every so. drop of Kilcoman's yeah. single malt is a wash. Scottish of man. It all begins with a seed of barley buried deep in the soil. Once the barley is harvested, it's spread across the malt floor and turned by hand, triggering germination. The green malt is then smoked using Isla peat to give Kilhoman whiskey its distinct smoky character. The malted barley is then milled into grist and poured into the mash tun. Hot water extracts the sugars from the crushed grains. In the washbacks, yeast is added by hand and fermentation begins. The liquid is then carefully heated and distilled through our washing spirit stills. The alcohol evaporates and rises up the neck, condensing into a clear liquid. This spirit is then aged in oak casks, hand-picked from around the world. Over many months and years, the whisky seeps in and out of cracks in the wood as they open and close, slowly taking on the colour and characters of the individual casks. Once matured, the whisky is bottled and the journey is complete. So when you next pour a dram of Kilhoman 100% Isla, know that every drop contains the rugged landscape of Isla, where whisky making has always been an art form. Now that was a good video. I, I feel like I'm part of that history just watching it was, that video. It was like <laughs> three times, you know, a third the, the uh, length of the others, and it just it was perfect. That's brilliant. They, Kilcoman, uh, are very much a company who uh, they're much more modern in their approach, um, and they know what they're doing a lot more. I say that they've also made loads of mistakes. Way. If you ask the Will's family who who run the thing, um, Anthony and his sons, they. 
they quite happily own up to their mistakes. And the um, but they talk about the distillery though. They have their own farm, so they have their own grain on their own farm. They have their own kiln and peat and malting floor. So I've been there, and they actually have all the malt laid out there. So they go literally from field to the distillery to malt. They have their own kiln. One of the mistakes was they went to watch the rugby and let all the kiln catch fire once, but that's a different matter. Um, so early days, early days. But yeah, so they, they, they do their own heating and drying at the distillery. They make everything. They don't, as far as I know, they don't bottle at the distillery, but they have bottled some in the past just specifically to say this, everything in this bottle has happened within half a mile of this place. You know, they're really, really lovely guys. And if you get a chance to visit, they've got some of the really most impressive scenery on Isla nearby. And Isla is a place where she's got some very impressive scenery. Yeah, place to visit. And also, um, the whiskey's pretty tasty. Yeah. It really is. That, it's, yeah. Um, yeah. It's how you just not buy it the Like Lafroig, for instance, is it's almost medicinal in taste. Yeah. This. It's it's definitely it's, it's it's got a very strong peaty taste, but not it's it's strong, but not but but that it's been done in a way that's. You're it, right there, Rich. Yeah, okay, no, there, mate. I'm not struggling, mate. To be honest. It's beautiful. This is every episode, Wayne. It may all be the same ingredients in the end. The peat itself comes from slightly different parts of the island, but it's not that too far apart. But it's all about the process and the tweaking of it to make it taste their own. And Kilcoma makes yeah. something which is distinctly different from the others. Lafroy stuff tastes different. And we've got like 150-odd now, I think. We've got another sort of like distillery opening every few months at the moment in Scotland. It's so popular. It's such a growing thing. Loads of whiskey, loads of different distilleries. Which brings me on to uh, our book. Seamless. Anyway, I'm not very good at this whole sort of like advertising. That's a good segue. Um, so yeah, I, I've got my own book coming out in October. I haven't even started really doing anything about that yet. But anyway, the book from the Whiskey Exchange. So the boss and you know we've been talking for ages about doing a book at work, telling people about the whiskey world. But we didn't want to just do the same as everybody else does. Here's a list of distilleries. Here's the sort of things you could drink and that sort of thing. And we're trying to find someone to write it for us because um, none of us really in the company were the right people to do it you know i'm a writer but i'm not the person to write this book we want somebody who's known in the industry and who people you know know loads of stuff about and uh then this guy called nick morgan retired from diageo uh, diageo are the largest uh whiskey maker in scotland largest drinks company in the world and he'd been leading a lot of their whiskey stuff for like the past sort of 20 30 years and nick had just written a book about johnny walker um which is a very good book it's sitting here on my bookshelf and he come out of the company retired and we went to him and said nick um do you want to write another book? He went, yeah, I like books. Let's, let's write another book. And so he worked with um, my boss and one of my colleagues, Chris, to come up with the shape of what they wanted to do. And they decided they didn't want to just do the normal thing and say, here's how to drink whiskey, here's whatever. But it's to talk to people and show the people in the industry and answer questions, debunk myths. So there's barely a distillery mentioned in this. There's no sort of like, oh, this is how whiskey's made and from like that. It's just Nick telling you stuff about whiskey. And this is one of my dreams about the world of whiskey is, I would love to write a website one day, but there's no tasting notes. It's just literally articles about whiskey and about whiskey people, and not, not about, you know, buy this whiskey because of this. It's all about whiskey itself. And that's what this book's about. Um, I was very fortunate to um, read it before it was published and sort of go through and have a bit of a proofread. And the way I've talked about it is I said the first couple of chapters really annoyed me. 
I, I was reading going, this is ridiculous. He, he said all these things and these are not, this is not what I agree with. And I read the rest of the book and he explained his opinions and I realized I'd been played by somebody who knew exactly what they were doing. And he just put out their controversial bits and you know, just poked people like me, poked the whiskey geek, you know, sort of like, no, don't, and then threw it just loads of stuff where you go yeah actually no he's right okay i agree still as i I'd interviewed him a little while back and there's a fantastic interview up on youtube somewhere of me and having a chat um which i said um you and i need to go to the pub and have a drink because i need to tell you all the things that i think you are wrong about and he said i'm not right about everything and we should definitely go to the pub so um <laughs> he, he's more of a martinis man he's a a veteran of the duke's hotel bar and they're quite deadly martinis which are generally four or five shots of just frozen gin in a glass it's very nice um you don't have more than two you can't leave but uh no the book itself um is out of the whiskey exchange at the moment it appears all over the rest of the world um middle of september but it's a great book um and as i say yeah i've written my own one and i'm not talking about that because i like this one so we talk about my own one soon enough don't worry about it but um but no this is um it's called everything you need to know about whiskey but are too afraid to ask and it is a book which really just pulls apart interesting stuff about whiskey. And I've really enjoyed it. So, and uh, right. yes, I will be uh, running around carrying things for Dr. Nick uh, as he does more sort of stuff around the book. And it's uh, a privilege to sort of like, yeah, learn stuff from him. And uh, yeah. Anyway, there you'd, we have go. To send us, you'd have to send us the link to that because um, we can yeah. put it on, the, on the, our website and on all the social. Also, my other podcast is a book podcast. So, We'll be that? able to recommend it on there as well. It's, I'll uh, say it's a book podcast. It's, a, it's like an we, we take books that have been adapted to screen and we compare the two, but it, I'll be able to recommend uh, the book on there. So it does sound interesting. I shall, I shall uh, look for that. If you can send me the link, I'll, I'll definitely purchase yeah. that. Oh, I'll zap you over, you know, allegedly, because I've I mumbled about many, many things. And this is one of my problems when I talk about whiskey is that I have lots of things in my brain and I'm not very good at getting them all out in a timely fashion. So I, I hinted at many things out there, random blog posts and things like that. Um, my thing I always say to people is if you ever want to talk whiskey, um, as you might be able to tell, I quite like talking. Um, and I'm happy to talk to anybody about whiskey. It's um, my previous career. I was a software engineer. I was a computer programmer working in the city in London. And my hobby was drinking whiskey, talking about whiskey and writing about whiskey. We have and a lot in common. I'm currently so, learning Python. Python. <laughs> a child's language. Anyway, no, um, <laughs> Python's, start fantastic. Somewhere. Python's fantastic and I will hear nothing against it. I used to be a Perl programmer and I'm one of the old men sh shaking their fists at Python going, why are you so much better than we are? But... Um, <laughs> But no, um, I used to be a computer programmer. I ended up writing about whiskey for a living and telling people about whiskey for a living. And it really is sort of like, you know, um, a thing I like talking about. So if anybody ever has any questions about it, you can find me on the internet in many, many places. Uh, you can find the Whiskey Exchange in many, many places on the internet. And many times, if you ask a question that our social media queen can't answer, I will be answering your questions if you send them to the Whiskey Exchange. Okay. So um, no, um despite being now a fairly large company and being sort of like, you know, biggest one in our industry, um, we like to have, try and have a human face. I'm one of them. We have a load of other people who are out there and we have our shops in London and we're not just this big faceless monster who you can't ask questions to, can't talk to. We're always here trying to make using a website as much like going to a shop as you possibly can, which is difficult because, you know, you're not in a shop, but we're working on it a little bit by little bit. 
very accessible, which is uh, for a big company harder uh, in, in this day and age. So yeah. hats off to you try, for that. What we try to do, so yeah. But when you when you release this book, we'd be more than happy to have you back and uh, cool. do, do this lovely. again. We've I've, this been one of the most fun episodes we've done for a long time. So yeah, well, I'm very pleased you got to try the whiskey. As I say, we we do we sell like you know, let's say five thousand some whiskeys on the website. But every now and again, we convince someone to let us have a whole cask or a whole one just to ourselves. So these hmm. three, as uh, so a single cask from Blair, a batch from Glen Farkas, <laughs> and a single cask from Kilcoman. There's only a few hundred bottles of the Balblair and the Kilcoman. There's a few more of the Glen Farkless, but I think the Balblair and Kilcoman will probably be gone shortly by well, by Christmas or shortly after. That's a shame because the Kilcoman, so, I like that a lot. How, how much are you looking for? The, how much is a bottle of Kilcoman? The Kil- oh, oh, too many too many tabs open at the same time. The Kilcoman comes in at 125 pounds. That's it. That's it. That, will, will it be available at Christmas time? Because that's when I, I usually get myself a nice bottle. Yep. Nice expensive There's bottle. Only 204 bottles of the Kilcoma, and I think we sold a good half or so of them. So uh, I expect that to be disappeared by Christmas because that's a really good Christmas present. Uh, the Bow Blair, we got a 200 some, I think, again. 180 out of the Bow Blair because only it's a barrel, so it's a smaller cask. Uh, and the Glen Farkless, we've got a few. That's 75 quid ago. And again, for Christmas, if you want something that's big, sort of Christmas cakey, but not too over the top, that Glen Farkless is probably the one to go for. Mm. But I did yeah. enjoy the Glen Farkless, to be fair. It's very nice. Mm. So, it's I, think, I, I think I'll speak for both of us and say thank you so much for sending us um, oh, the samples. Yes. Oh, They're amazing. The, the thing for me is if I want to talk about whiskey with people, I can stand, sit here and sort of chat about whiskey for a bit. But after a while, you start going, yeah, but don't really understand what you're talking about you're mumbling about raisins so much you know that's all thing. the thing about whiskey is get spirit in a glass get it into somebody's face so they can smell it and taste it and experience it and that's when you understand drinks you know whether it's whiskey whether it's beer whether it's wine whether it's weird other spirits from around the world you know i'm a whiskey guy mostly but i do stuff with booze all over the place you know i do a lot of stuff with uh, rum and agave spirits like tequila i've got a pile of weird japanese things at the moment um my, my secret uh, thing I very much like cooking is, uh, wine. <laughs> Baijiu. Uh, Baijiu. Uh, so Chinese spirit, which tastes of pineapples and death. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That's it's like um, cooking wine, isn't it, Rich? Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, my, my, my mate did that. He brought some whiskey for us. Went, uh, he went to China and brought a, a, a rare whiskey back with him. And uh, some Chinese whiskey, and was all excited to try yeah. it. And uh, no, it was some sort of weird, horrible Chinese cooking wine, and uh, it was not good. I've, I've seen a few bottles of those sorts of thing over time. You're lucky it didn't have some kind of dead animal in it. That often seems to be uh, the thing. <laughs> Might have it tasted like it was fucking horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, there are spirits awesome. around the world, weird and wonderful stuff. And every time you look a little bit further, you know, I always tell people just in the whiskey world don't just be happy with what you got if you got your, your favorites stick with those but always just try new things and my problem is i keep on doing that and now i'm sort of like you know, really so that's made from sweet potatoes is it excellent hmm. so how long do you leave that in a clay jar for <laughs> yeah, it's um you know is this incredible chinese spirit with like you know i had a guy sort of stand up in front of a room and sort of say something in chinese and the translator sort of turned to him and went really it's like yeah so. He says he is a 24th generation distiller. It's like, what? How can you have 24, yeah, 24 generations of a family making the same sort of spirit? 
Wow. You know, incredible. It wow. just every time I find out new things, my mind is blown a little bit more. And even within the whiskey world, every time I chat with another person in the whiskey uh, sort of like industry, I learn something new. There's always something new to find. There's always new things to taste. And uh, yeah, it's a hard life we live. A hard life. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. So uh, let's, Billy, let's start I'm... to round this up. Yeah, let's start yeah. to round this up then. If, uh, but in, if you were. Uh, Want to come back in future? We'd be more than happy to have you back. This has been a blast. Mm. So yeah, um, yeah. and uh, to our listeners, definitely check out uh, if you if you because obviously we, we get uh, some whiskey drinkers listening to us because I'm drinking whiskey every week and I tag whiskey here and there. So any of the whiskey drinkers, I recommend definitely personally. The Kilcoman and the Glen Farclass. The Bell Blair was nice, but a definite recommendations there from me for them for them too. Yeah, Wayne, you're not a whiskey drinker. He'll recommend some sort of ale, but um, no, no, I, I I enjoyed the Bell Blair a lot, not as much as as the uh, the Kilcoman. To be honest, the Kilcoman was my favourite, definitely. That surprises me, to be honest. But no, fair, fair play. It seemed to get better the longer it was out of the bottle. Yeah. Just, or, always case, pour your drams and leave them to breathe. Yeah. So. Mm. Uh, all links will be in the show notes. Uh, maybe not on this live feed, but in the show notes when it's on Spotify, you, uh, YouTube, and Podcast Addict, and Podchaser, and TuneIn, and Alexa, and everywhere else. You'll be able to find the show notes and links. Uh, links to books and everything else will be there as well. Follow us, yhhtmpc.com. Uh, feel free to support us. Uh, buy me a coffee.com forward slash yhhtmp. Um, yeah, this has been a blast. And uh, until next time, I've been Wayne. I haven't I'm been in. Wayne. That's ridiculous. I've been Richie. <laughs> I've never even noticed. <laughs> I've been, I've been <laughs> And our guest has been... Billy Abbott <laughs> of... Well, actually, my name's Chris. Hi, you know. (laughs) (laughs) This has been brilliant. Summer is right around the corner, and you know what that means. Cooking out, diving in, and soaking up a whole lot of sunshine. The Home Depot has everything you need to start your summer right. Upgrade your cookout game with Traeger grills and smokers. Then gather around a new Hampton Bay patio set with family and friends. It feels like Memorial Day at the Home Depot with savings on summer fun. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.